So today, I, I want to continue forward, and I've entitled the message, Focus on the Mission. Because now we have the background, we have kind of what the gospel is, how can we share it, we have uh, how valuable people are and God's love for them. But now, once we understand all of that, the next thing we need to do is really focus on our mission. What are we here for? What is our purpose as a church? Why, why did God put us in this city of Marana? And he didn't just put us here so that we can, we can listen to great messages and, and sing some great music. But actually, all of that stuff is, is here so that we can reach out to other people so that they feel welcome when they show up here. All of this stuff that we have going on here is put together for one purpose, and that is to reach people for Jesus Christ, to reach people, the, the lost in this community. And we want to share this free gift of God that we have with others. Because nobody, when they, when they receive something awesome, when they receive a great treasure, nobody hides it. Nobody buries it. We, we share that with others. It's funny, Christianity is, is kind of the only thing that many people treat like that. We receive such an amazing blessing, such an amazing thing. We are made brand new. We're forgiven from all of our sins. We're free from the bondage of, of sin. Yet we just want to keep that to ourselves. And most of it is probably a little bit of the, the culture. Really sharing the gospel flies in the face of what our culture here in the United States is right now. And we have to get through that and press through that. But I guarantee you, if any one of us won the lottery here, we'd be telling our friends about it. If any one of us won a, a new car on the radio, we'd be telling our friends about it. And I know if any one of us has something that's, that's pretty awesome, but it's available to other people, we're definitely telling our friends about it. Hey, look what I just got. Go get this as well. Why don't we have that same attitude? Why, don't, why do we not generally typically have that same attitude about the gospel? Because the gospel, what has happened inside of us, this free treasure that we have in earthen vessels, is worth so much more than any of that stuff. And our mission statement as a church actually points to this idea of what we're here for. Our, our mission statement, if you will, is to evangelize, to equip, and to empower. We want to evangelize the lost, and then we want people to come here and become equipped so that they can learn the gospel, they can learn and be trained on how to do these things, and then we want to send them out into the world to, to basically replicate what we're doing here. Because if we can replicate what we're doing, each of us individually, we're going to have a much greater impact than just one person standing up here shouting and nobody's taking anything from it. Amen? I was just talking to, to Jan this morning. She uh, has all the books in the Left Behind series. You guys ever read the Left Behind series? She has all the books. So basically the idea of the Left Behind series, for those of you who don't know, is um, uh, the rapture comes. And basically, at one moment, people are there. The next moment, all the people that are Christians have been taken up to heaven. All that's left is, is, a, is a pile of clothes where they were. And it's basically the story of, of, uh, of a, a group of individuals that were left behind. One of them was even an a assistant pastor at a church, but he never really grabbed a hold of what the gospel was. And he recognizes his grave error, and he begins to share the gospel fervently. And I hope we never have to, to come to that point where we all of a sudden realize that all the stuff we said we believed in is actually true, and now we've got to do something about it. When the truth is, is that if we believe it now, we should be doing something about it now. We should be sharing with others. But one of the things that as I'm reading this story and, and what's happening here, it's kind of a, an eye-opener to, to 
man, am I really doing what I should be doing? How many people are going to be left behind because I was too afraid to talk to them, because I was too afraid to say something to them? It's caused me to, to, to have a different perspective of how important it is to share the gospel with people because the reality is, is this is a fictional story. Newsflash, it hasn't happened yet, but one day it will. And if there are people that we should have shared with, are they going to miss their opportunity because we were afraid, because we were shy, because we didn't step out into our purpose, that we weren't focused on our mission, the mission of the church? So today I really want to, to talk about what being focused on the mission looks like. And I've, I've kind of want to look at it from three different perspectives. One is, is we need to support missionary work externally. So that is why the last Sunday of every month we receive a special offering for Pastor Jack Harris and Pastor Lathe, and they're doing some great work in Kurdistan of Iraq and particularly working with the Syrian refugees, and we're seeing Muslims saved on a regular basis for the first time in anybody can remember history, we have the opportunity to preach the gospel freely to Muslims without any fear of you know, sneaking into their countries and being killed for doing so. We, they've come to us for support. They've come out of their country for, for support and help, and as a result, we have the opportunity to share God's love with them. So we, we receive a special offering at the end of every month, and we send that to them every month. And praise God, we're, we're a small church, but we've been rather generous. We usually get at, you know, somewhere between $1,500 and $2,000 a year we send to them every year. And uh, it makes a difference, particularly because that much money goes a lot further over there than it does here. Amen? The next thing that we're going to look at a little bit today is corporate mission responsibility. And that is corporately as a church. And some of the stuff that we do there, you've seen we have the different events that we put on, and uh, I want to look at that aspect, and we're going to continue to do those things. But I think probably most important for the church and most important for each and every one of us in here is our individual missionary mission responsibility. Did you know that each and every one of you have a, a responsibility to share the gospel? The Great Commission is not just for the pastor. It's not just for evangelists. It's not just for the leaders in the church. It's for every single one of us. Amen? So let's go ahead and, and get started. The first verses that I want to look at is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Basically, what we want to look at is, is, what are you talking all this stuff? Is this really our responsibility? And this is what Jesus said about it. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, many of you guys have heard this referred to as the Great Commission. This is something that's been commanded of the entire church. When it says, go therefore and make disciples, just go ahead and, and insert your name right before there. That says, Anina, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You can insert your name in front. This is speaking to us. This is the commission to the entire church. But unfortunately, what's happened uh, more and more that we see in the United States is this has kind of become the great omission in the church. We all want to come together and have a good time. We all want to say that, that, yeah, I'm basically a good person. I went to church, but everyone's afraid to, to actually commit and be obedient to the Word of God and the call on their life. 
And particularly in the United States, we, we, we see time completely differently than in a lot of other countries where they value time outside of work. It seems like in the United States, all we care about is value inside of work, and we work, 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 and we never have time for anything else. And unfortunately, the thing that we should place first, which is the church, often gets pushed to the back of our lives. But the reality is, is that we've been commanded as a church to share the gospel, and we've been given power to do so. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. When somebody that has all of that authority sends you out to do something, that means the full authority, the full backing is behind you in doing that thing. Just like when a police officer pulls you over, you're not actually, the, the, the person doesn't really matter all that much. It's the uniform that matters. Because if they're not a police officer and, and somebody tries to pull you over, most of us are just going to ignore them. But because they're wearing a uniform, because they have the authority and the backing of the state behind them, then we submit to that authority. And the same thing is true with Jesus. He's behind us. He's commanding us to go. All the authority that he have, has, he has given to us. And we walk out into the world not being weak or powerless, but actually having great power and strength because he is behind us. He's delegated that authority to us. And if Jesus gives us the authority to do something, there is no greater authority, which means that we have all authority. And what did Jesus do? What was this authority that he was talking about? Well, what did Jesus do when he walked the earth? He healed the sick. He casted out demons. He forgave sins. And we have the authority to do all those things. We have the authority to heal the sick. We lay hands on them and we do so. We have the authority to cast out demons. Yes, you have that authority to do that. And while we don't have the authority to forgive sins ourselves, that's only one thing God can do. We have the authority and responsibility to proclaim the forgiveness of sins. Amen? And we're not just called to make converts. We're not just called to, to, to tell people about Jesus. Hopefully they say yes and walk away. It says we're called to make disciples. We're called to, we do such a great disservice to people when we, when we just tell them about Jesus and, and they get excited, and, and, but then we just walk away. When we don't train them. Because how many know that immediately when someone gets excited about God and they get saved, the, the enemy is going to come against him. And if they're not trained and prepared to deal with what's coming, they're going to get ripped away again. And, and everything that we've done is for naught. We need to walk with them. We need to teach them. We need to train them. And being a disciple is kind of like being an apprentice. And it's something that I've, I've recently began to take more seriously as a pastor in the church. And you've be, you have seen some of that where we have uh, guys that I'm training, that I'm discipling, stepping out. And I'm teaching them. I'm being more um, intentional about how I train them so that they can be effective. But it's not just for me to disciple people. Any of us that are mature in the faith should be teaching somebody else. We should be leading somebody. As Christians, we're all called to be leaders. And even if you just got saved, it's still your responsibility to lead someone else. That's why they call it leading them to Christ, because you're a leader. And all of us are called to do that, to teach them, to train them, to bring them up. And I think many people want to make the excuse and, and argument that, well, Jesus is just talking to the apostles. But the reality is, is that even in the Scripture, you can see many examples of those who were not apostles that have stepped out into this calling. 
And the, the story that I always recognized the most was when uh, they were calling for the widows to be fed. In the book of Acts, the, the, the widows were not being fed properly, and some were being missed out. So the, the, the disciples got together, and the apostles got together, and they said, you know what, let's find us a handful of guys that can take care of this. And this is in Acts 6, 2 through 6, if you want to read about it. But basically, they, they called a group of guys together to take care of, of this, to make sure that the basically, they all became lunch ladies to make sure that the, these, these women were being taken care of, these widows were being taken care of. And two of them that I like to point out are Stephen and Philip. Because you can read about Stephen later in Acts 6, 7 through 8. It says that he went out and made disciples. That the people were being increased under... He started out as a lunch lady and he ended up being a powerful disciple maker for the kingdom of heaven. He was, well, that's the thing about being a Christian. We actually have to be willing to do whatever needs to be done. One day you might be cleaning toilets. The next day you're leading someone to the Lord and making an unimaginable difference in their lives. And Philip was another one. Started out in the same position. But later on in the book of Acts, we actually see him begin to be referred to as Philip the Evangelist. He went from being someone that was just serving wherever he could to, to being an evangelist, operating in that ministry, making an impact on thousands upon thousands of believers. It's not just for the, it wasn't just for the apostles. It's for all of us. No matter where we're at, what station we are in life, what position we're currently serving on in the church, it is our responsibility to step up and share the gospel and make disciples. Amen? We should all be replicating ourselves. We should be reproducing. Because really, that's kind of the system God has put in place from the beginning. Trees reproduce trees. Dogs reproduce dogs, and Christians reproduce Christians. Amen? In Romans three ten through 18, it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruined in misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, not only are we supposed to share the gospel with others, but one of the things that, that many people like to argue is that, oh, I don't want to press my faith on somebody else. You know, and this is actually Paul quoting from multiple places in the Old Testament to the Jews, trying to get it through their thick skulls that, yes, you need a Savior. And the problem is all of us have thick skulls from time to time. Maybe me more than anybody in this room. But finally, somebody got through. They kept going. It was 20 years that I just stood on the starting line. And finally, after 20 years, somebody finally pressed through enough. I said, all right, I'm going to serve God. And I'm so glad people didn't give up. I'm so glad people didn't stop praying. Because the reality is that all these things here is true. There is a need for the gospel. There is a need for us to share this with people. And we may think that we don't want to push our faith. We don't want to be too pushy. But the reality is no matter how pushy you are with your faith, no matter how willing you are to share, this doesn't change. They need a Savior. And if you won't share with them, who will? Will they be one of the ones that get missed? Because the truth is I can't share with everybody. I don't have the, the ability. I don't have the, there, there are people that you guys know in your life that I will never meet unless you bring them here, unless you share Jesus with them. I won't even have an opportunity to make an impact 
with them. And I know you're smiling like, I don't want them to meet you, Pastor Wayne. My eye is on you. I see that. You see, the reality is, is before we were saved, we all yearned for something, and we didn't even realize what it was. And most of us went searching for it in all the wrong places. You see, that's the thing about sin, is that sin fulfills a legitimate need by an illegitimate means. We have a hole, we're missing something, so we try to fill it with drugs and alcohol and women and cars and all those things, when really we just needed Jesus the whole time. We're all sinners, and we all need God, and it's our responsibility as a church to share that with others. And I know as we're going over this series on, on reaching people for Jesus, you've, you've heard me say ad nauseum that, that we don't deserve it, that, that we don't do it, we don't earn it. But Jesus died so that we could be saved, and it's a free gift available to everyone. And it doesn't require you to come to church a certain amount of times before it'll take. It requires a heart that says yes. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter uh, what's been done to you. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, how fat or skinny, whether you're white collar or blue collar. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you'll say yes. But people can't say yes if they don't know, if they're not given the opportunity. And the truth is, I was given many opportunities and said no over and over and over again, but I thank God somebody kept asking because one day I said yes. And the truth is, I imagine many of our stories are very similar. I imagine that, that you didn't say yes the first time. I imagine that there are some of you that wanted nothing to do with religion. You wanted nothing to do with God. You thought it was foolishness. You thought it was crazy. You thought it was just someone trying to steal your good time. I know I used to think that. This whole Christianity thing, God just doesn't want me to have any fun. Turns out I didn't really know what fun was. What I thought was fun was killing me. God wasn't trying to steal my fun. He was trying to save my life. But I thought he was oppressive when really he was trying to be my savior. People need peace. They need restoration. And our hearts, as Christians, our hearts should hurt for such people. And the love of Christ in us should compel us to share that love with others. And man, if you're having a heart to just start small. If you're struggling, you don't know what to say, just invite people to church. Tell them that God loves them. You know the best thing that you can do to have an opportunity in someone's life is just tell them what God's done in your life. I was a mess. I did all kinds of stupid stuff. One of the most selfish people you ever met. God has changed me. And I can share that with others, with an op- give, get an opportunity to share the gospel with them. If nothing else, I can say, come to church. Come see what my God has done. Amen? And in John 3.16, you know, this is one of my favorite verses. Before I was really well and truly saved, I was, I was, I don't know what I was trying to do, but I got this tattoo on my arm that says, for God to love the word. It looks, it actually is the worst tattoo ever. It looks like I got it done in prison. I wasn't in prison when it happened. I just made some poor choices on who I let do it. Um, but this has always been one of my favorite verses. Even, even before I was walking as a Christian, there was something in this that, that spoke to me. I, I understood something about it that was important. And I hate the fact that, that, I love and hate the fact that it's the first 
verse most people memorize, the most well-known verse on the planet, which I think is amazing. The problem is because it's so well-known, it's so much used that it's almost become trite to people. It's almost become, people stop seeing it for, for what it actually is, for what, the, what this actually means. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the most amazing news. And that is the solution to what everybody is walking around looking for. They're trying to find it in illegitimate means, but the solution is Jesus Christ. All because of the great love that he had for us. His love, I'm always amazed when I think about God's love. That's one of my favorite songs that we do. Actually, my two favorite songs that we sing is Great Are You, Lord, which sings about the greatness of God, and the one we finished up on tonight, which talks about how much God loves us. And if you think about that, how high God is, how, much, how elevated he is, the fact that he would care about us at all is amazing. But he loves us with a love that doesn't end, with a love that doesn't run out. It's inexhaustible. He loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, to pay the price for our sins. He gave up everything so that we could live. That kind of love is amazing. And as a result, we have a treasure inside of us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We have a treasure inside of us. It's incredibly powerful. And the great news about God's love and the treasure that we have inside of us is it's not limited. It doesn't, there's not just enough for so many people. There's a, it doesn't run out. There's enough for everybody. There's room for everybody. When I was in Africa, we went in and preached to, uh, we actually had a, did a pastor's conference in Africa a few years back. And uh, one of the things that amazed me the most is we were preaching to pastors in Africa. So these are, these, I want you to hear what I'm saying. These are the pastors. And we had like 25 of them get saved while we were there. But the one that touched me the most was this lady, as is, is, is my pastor was sharing the gospel and saying that it's not about what you've done or, or, or what you've accomplished. God loves you and there's a place for you. And she fell down on her knees and began to cry out. And all she was said was, there's room for me. There's room for me. She was crying out, there's room for me. There's always room. There's more than enough. We can't share it so much that, that we have to pick and choose. But there will always be enough. And this gift that we have inside of us is, is, you know, it's amazing because not only are we commanded to share it, but I think if we really took a step back and thought about what we were doing, the impact that we were making, if we could just change our mentality and stop thinking about this as, as a command where we begrudgingly do it in obedience, but instead we recognize that we get to share the gospel. We get to make an impact in people's lives. We get to take them completely out of darkness and bring them into light because we shared with them Jesus Christ. And that is an amazing thing. In Romans 10, 13 through 15, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring 
the good news. The reality is, is that in order for people to get saved, in order for people to receive Jesus, somebody's got to go tell them about Jesus. They can't say yes if they don't know. He says, how will they call on him if they've not believed, and how can they believe if they've never heard, and how are they to hear if somebody doesn't go preach the message? As a church, from day one, we've always had a focus of external missions in this church. From day one, when there was only five or six of us, seven of us when we started, by the end of the first service we ever had in my house, we had nine, nine adults. Not even, well, no, not even nine adults. How many do we have? We had all you kids there, so three families, however many that was. <laughs> but even then, with just three families, we were already receiving an offering for missions. Because it's important that we do this. The reality is, is that all of us can't go out into the mission field. Not all of us are going to be able to serve in Iraq telling people about Jesus. Not all of us are going to be able to go over to, to Africa and share with them over there. But we can send people. The reality is, is there, are, there are constraints that make it impossible for some of us. Some of us can't get time off of work. Some of us have been pretty poor with money, so we have too much debt that we could go anywhere. Some of us have responsibility with children, a responsibility with our, 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 our parents, or whatever different responsibilities we might have. It is impossible for us to go, but it's always possible for us to send. And we can be a part of that. I remember once, or I remember reading in the, one of my favorite things uh, that, that David said, and this was after their army, ch- they, they were chasing after the army, and some of them stayed back with the baggage. And when they came back with all the spoils, they were, they were saying, oh no, these people that stayed back shouldn't get anything. They didn't come with us. And, and King David said uh, something along this lines. This is the, the, the New Wayne translation. He said that those who stay back with the baggage have just as much of a share of the spoils as those who went. And that is true for us. When you send somebody, when we invest money, when we support people that are going out, we're receiving a share of the reward because they wouldn't be able to do it without our support. And obviously, we wouldn't be able to support if they weren't willing to go. But we begin to see that they get to hear the gospel. This is how we can participate in external missions without actually going and making a difference. Amen? But it doesn't just stop with corporate, uh, or sorry, external mission support. Corporately, as a body, as a church, we have a responsibility to the mission field right here in Marana and in Tucson. In Matthew 25, 31 through 45, and bear with me, we got some reading to do here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him all will be gathered, all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And when the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? For when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. And then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. We have a responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this community. We have the responsibility to corporately as a body, and what I mean by that is the stuff that we do as a church together. So some of the things that we've done is, is we just recently had our, helped out with the fall festival. Uh, right over there with the Springs Church and all those businesses, we were just a blessing to the community. We've done... Easter outreach events. We've done, we've went and worked in the, um, the food bank before. And even little things. Like yesterday, some of the guys, we got together and went to Normal's brother's house and just did yard work for him because of his medical situation. He's unable to do so right now. Corporately, we can come together and do amazing things for this community. And it's important that we do that. And there are some pros and cons to doing corporate outreach the pros is that we become visible to the community the more people that know about us the more opportunity people have to walk in the store and we can share the gospel and we get to be a blessing to the community for those of you who helped out and we had thousands of people probably four or five thousands of people come through we got to be a blessing to those kids and to those parents and to just to just do something nice for them And oftentimes during those kind of events, we have the ability to share with people, to pray with people, and we have great, a great opportunity to make an impact in their life. But the reality is there's some downsides to this kind of corporate um, um, work as well because sometimes it's just so busy, you don't even have time to share. I mean, when we had 5,000 people come through, it was just a, an assembly line, candy, 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 go, go, go. We didn't have the opportunity we might have liked to share with people. And many times, people aren't interested in the gospel. They just came for the entertainment, right? How many people do you think came just for the candy? They, weren't, they didn't care it was a church putting it on. It was just something free for their kids. And it's expensive. The reality is that, that stuff just costs money. And I'm so thankful for all of you that, that invest your time and your, your money and your resources to do those kind of things. But, but it is expensive. And many times, the hardest part to deal with those kind of situations is it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't seem like you see any fruit from those types of things. It's funny, every time we've done one of those events, I would say that almost nobody has ever came from one of those events to, to the church to share with us. But I always find it amazing is that, is that nobody came, but then we'll have visitors for like the next month out of nowhere, a bunch of extra visitors. God is always faithful when we're faithful to the community, when we can make an impact. And we're going to continue to have these events. We're going to do the best that we can. Uh, my vision, my goal is to do four a year. Easter, Christmas time, and uh, this year we're going to probably kind of try to tie it into our Christmas play and make that open and be a blessing to people. Um, uh, Halloween, we do the, the fall festival, and, and uh, that's a great time. You know, Halloween is one of the best times to minister to people because it's the only time the entire year that people come knocking on your door. They can come knocking on your door. You can share the gospel with them, share a tract with them with the candy. Invite them to church with the candy. 
And then we also do around Easter time as well. I try to do four year, one a quarter, that we can do something together as a body and impact the community. But the real secret of reaching people for Jesus, the, the real powerhouse, the one thing that I believe is the most effective is personal evangelism. Each and every one of us have a responsibility. We have an opportunity. And truthfully, we have a sphere of influence that really only we can make an impact with. In John 1, 43 through 46, it says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. You know, if we want to be effective in sharing the gospel with people, we need to take a cue from Philip. We begin to, to we can have the opportunity to share, share it with others. See, the thing that happened with Philip is he got saved and he was excited and he began to tell all his friends about it. He began to say, come look who I found. Come look who made an impact with me. And, and, and they went, could anything good even come out of Bethlehem? Could anything good even come out of there or come out of Nazareth? And he said, why don't you come and see? It's that simple. Sharing the gospel with people is simply sharing what God's done in your life. And they say, can that really happen? That just seems crazy. Come and see. Just come and see. You don't have to have all the theology down. You don't have to know all of doctrine. You don't have to know all of the scriptures. You can just say, come and see. And this isn't the only time we see this. We talked about last week in Luke 5, uh, verses 27 through 29, when the same thing happened with Levi or Matthew. Basically, Matthew got saved and he invited all of his, his tax collector and sinner friends to come hear what Jesus had to say. To something, guys, something amazing just happened to me. Something incredible. I just found out that God loves me so much. And like, you're crazy. God doesn't love you. Come and see. And the reality is when we come together like this, if you're new here this morning, I hope you felt welcomed and loved by everybody in the church because we have the opportunity to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I just met this group of people and they're, they're all different, yet they were all so nice and they, they, they just welcomed me in. And that's crazy. People don't act like it. Come and see. Come and see. As soon as he got saved, he threw a big party, invited all of his friends, and let me tell you about Jesus and come and see. And the truth is, is we never know how we're going to impact somebody. We never know if somebody's actually ready to hear the gospel. And unless somebody is cussing at you and trying to hurt you, share it with them. And don't be rude. Don't be mean. Don't pull out your Bible and hit them over the head with it. That's not going to be effective, but you can share in love and tell them about the love of God. The last study I read said 63% of people would come to church if they were just invited. You just have to invite them. And the reality is, is people are more likely to receive the gospel message if they know the person sharing it with them. Relationships are important. If you know somebody and they actually know you, they know that you actually care about them, they know that you, you know, it's not just some, some person coming up ignoring the no soliciting sign and knocking on your door to tell you about God. People get frustrated with that. Unfortunately, it's less effective today because people have abused it. But when you know somebody, 
when you're their friend and you can and they can see that God has changed something in your life they're going to be more apt to listen to what you have to say and the reality is is like I said there are people that I'll never be able to reach that you can reach if I walked into your girls' school and began to share the gospel with your friends, they would all think I was a crazy old guy. But if you did it, you could make a difference. If you told them what God's done for you, they might listen, and they might not. But it's our responsibility to share. And that goes for all of us. I can't walk into each and every one of your works and begin to share the gospel with the people that you work with. If I did, I'd be kicked out. But you can. And your friends and your family, whom I may never meet or see, you can make an impact. Just share with them what's happening. Give, tell them about your testimony. And when they say that you're crazy, say, come and see. Write them to church. The reality is, is if we want to see this church grow and have more resources and have the ability to make a bigger impact, we're going to have to get more people in the church. But if everybody in here invited just one person, next week we could double. It's that simple. If every one of us invited one person and they came, we would double overnight. And we could see lives begin to be changed if we would share with them. In Matthew 9, 35-38, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, and send out laborers into his harvest. The reality is, is that when we look out, we should see a similar thing, sheep without a shepherd, people looking for something but having no direction, no guidance. They have no hope. And because they have no shepherd, no leader, they just latch on to the only thing that they can follow and follow that for the time being until they either get left twisting and scrambling with no hope and no anything or they get killed. They have nothing. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus looked out and he recognized that. And there are so many of us, I know when I read this, you know, he says that the harvest is plentiful. I'm like, Jesus, are you living in the same world I am? Nobody wants to hear about God. So either he's a liar or we're seeing things wrong. Hint, he's not a liar. See, the problem is not that there's not people that want to get saved. The, the problem is that the laborers are few. Nobody's actually going out there and sharing the gospel. And I want to remind you, too, when you, when, when you do share and people push back and they press back and they don't want to hear it, obviously we don't want to be rude. We don't want to be, to be uh, annoying or, or, or give Jesus a bad name. But remember, how many times did you reject the gospel before you finally said yes? So don't stop just because it seems like people don't want to hear. Sometime they, they may eventually say yes. I know that's how it was with me. People kept asking over and over, and finally I said, yes, and I'm so thankful that they did. But he says, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Anybody ever prayed for the la- prayed? One thing I can tell you that if you pray that prayer, this is the one prayer that I guarantee you that you will have answered instantly. Because if you pray it, I guarantee you're going to be the answer. Say, Lord, 
send laborers into the harvest. Jesus says, you got it, go. And if you're already going, we need to pray for others. We need to pray for people that are going to be willing to step out. There are so many people, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people that need to hear Jesus, that need to know Jesus. And there are so many people that are ready to receive Jesus. But if we don't actually tell them about it, they're not going to be able to respond. So pray earnestly to the Lord. It says, that, you know, this, this isn't just a good idea. This isn't a, if you want to, this is a command from Jesus, pray earnestly to the Lord for laborers so that they'll be sent out into the harvest. And like I said, I guarantee you that you're one of the answers to that prayer. Amen? The reality is, church, is that we have a responsibility. We have a command to go out and share the gospel. We have a command to pray for more laborers. But even more than doing it out of a sense of obligation or a sense of duty, which, if that's all you got, run with it. (laughs) Because we do need to be obedient, amen? As Christians, we are to be obedient to the Word of God. But even more than that, look out into the world and see these people that don't have any hope, they don't have any direction, they don't, have, they don't understand what real love actually feels like. They don't have a group of people that they can get together, a community where they can, they can just call out for help. One of the things that I found most amazing, particularly for millennials today, is that um, because of the, of the interaction, the change in culture, there's actually almost no loyalty between millennials. For us, when we were growing up, if we said we were going to go hang out one night and, and do something, um, if you said you were going to meet up with somebody, we expected them to be there. But there's been surveys and studies done now that, that when the kids get together, that if, if something better comes up, it is now acceptable to go do that thing. And if you were waiting for someone to come, it's actually normal. They don't even think that's an insult. They don't even think that that's, that's something that's wrong. They've become a, a culture thing. Oh, that, that's just normal. There's this idea that I mean, they have friends are different than they used to be. You know, now it's just a, a checkbox on a checkbox on a web page, and they can be turned on and off like nothing. And the reality is, is that that you know we laugh about that, and we we think that that's crazy, but there is some truth to that because many of us, our friendship is is entirely based on showing the best part of our lives. We never actually share the hurts and the pains and get the support that we need. We don't have people that we can trust, people that we can count on. Some of that's due to culture. Some of that's our own fault because we don't reach out to people either. But there are people out there that have none of that. They, they want community. They want people to love them. And they don't know that God actually loves them. And we can share that with them. Amen? So I would just encourage you all to pray to be one of those laborers in the field. And let's make it our, our, our mission as a church and then individually to share the Gospels with others. And like I said, if nothing else, just say, come and see. Amen? Let's go ahead and bow our head and close our eyes. In an attitude of prayer right now, I just want to give the opportunity. If there's anybody here that... They're, they're hearing about this for the first time. They're, they heard me say for the first time today that God actually loves them. And it doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter 
how bad the things that they've done. doesn't matter who they are. They have a good job or a bad job. doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. doesn't matter if they're young or they're old. God loves them. And he wants you to be right with him. And the good news is, is there's nothing that you can do to, to make that happen. You can't earn rightness with God. You can't earn forgiveness. It can only be received as a free gift. And as a free gift, all you have to say is, yes, Lord, you are. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for me to pay the price for my sins. It's as simple as that. And it's not the words that matter. It's not the words that count. It's the attitude of your heart. It's really receiving that free gift. If that's you this morning, if, if you want to be right with God and you've never done it before, if you've never, if you've never said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, if you've never said, Jesus, I accept that free gift that you so graciously gave to me, and you would like to this morning, I just want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. If you've never received the Lord, as your Jesus, Lord Jesus as your Savior, and you'd like to become right with God, just raise your hand so I can pray with you. I also want to give the opportunity, if there's anybody in here that has given their life to the Lord, but they recognize that they've backed away, that they've slipped away, that they're not serving Him the way that they should. You know, in the church, we, we call it backsliding. Kind of a silly term. All it means is that sometimes we get distracted. Je Jesus used to be our focus, but now something else is. and He's become second place but it doesn't have to remain that way you can you can refocus you can rededicate you can put him first again in your life and if that's you this morning if you realize that you may have been doing that and you would like to turn things around if you would like to put him first go ahead and raise your hand this morning as well i'd love to pray with you praise god Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your great love. Father, I pray that this morning that this message would speak to our hearts. More than any that I've, I've, I've done so far in this series, Father, I pray this is the one that would, would spur us to really grab a hold of us to cause us to go share with other people. Lord, I pray that we would see with your eyes, that we would feel with your heart, that we would recognize that these people out there need you, they need a Savior, and you love them more than anything. And I pray, Lord, that that love would compel us to share at every opportunity. Father, I pray that you would squash every fear, every doubt that comes against us. Give us a spirit of boldness to share with others. But, Father, to do it in such a way that it is, that it is saturated with grace and with love. Father, help us to make an impact in this community. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.